0: This is Cinema Activist, the official podcast of Lion's Den Productions, for filmmakers and cinephiles who crave context. all right everyone thanks for listening to cinema activist i've been really looking forward to this episode and these two amazing people in my life uh to shed some light some light on the trans portrayal in our media specifically in cinema and television series video games all kinds of narratives. So I want to introduce my two amazing guests, Dr. Tyler Titus and Liz Karomas. Dr. Titus is a mental health professional, small business owner, and recently ran an awesome campaign for county executive here in Erie County, Pennsylvania. Liz is an animator, currently in the animation program at Edinburgh, soon to be a graduating student Thank you both for being here.
1: Thank you for having, Thanks for us. having me.
0: So, where do we want to begin? Um, I, I'll start with Liz and I work together at the university, and it was kind of a—I um, mean, Liz and I chat a bit on the side. And you reminded me, Liz, when you you were making some comments. Um, I think it was a, a series or, or something that you were watching or somebody was talking about, and you said um, something to the effect of, you know, it would be nice to see trans characters portrayed as something other than prostitutes. Um, in Yeah, that was Arcane. Yeah. In, okay, yeah, Arcane, which fantastic uh, series. Um, oh, it's wonderful. <laughs> but great point. And it reminded me, um, My wife, Dorota, had mentioned, uh, you know, this is probably a decade or so ago, a lot of the films and television that we were consuming at that time, she said, you know, it would be nice if some of the female characters in these shows, instead of basically being supporting players or just eye candy, and also prostitutes, right, prostitutes, strippers, things like that, it would be nice if they were... um you know, portrayed more like human beings, Uh, you know, they were complex uh, three-dimensional characters. And it it really got me thinking about that. And, you know, me being a straight white male who writes stories and makes movies, I need to uh, be reminded and all of us need to be reminded um, and cognizant of how we're portraying characters of all shapes, sizes, backgrounds um, in our media and how that's so important. So I guess I'll, I'll start with that because that's kind of what led us to having this conversation. Um, I will open the floor, uh, you know, being the, uh, <laughs> the naive outsider um, here and just wanting to learn from both of you. Um, how do you feel in general that people are portrayed is it is it getting better can we do better what are your thoughts i mean it's definitely
2: getting better um with uh page's character in um what's it called umbrella academy recently uh the change to being uh a trans man i'm not really sure um i just saw it in passing on twitter um so that should be good especially because elliot page is directly uh involved in the creative process for the character but um it's very hit and miss and it definitely depends on where uh, the characters are being portrayed and by where i mean like who's doing it and where is their location on the planet like uh a lot of media from Asian countries is very, very hit and miss, especially in Japan. I mean, everywhere it's hit and miss.
1: Yeah, there is so much in your opening statement. I'm kind of still kind of teasing some of that out in, in my, my brain here, John. So as a non-binary person uh, who uses they them pronouns, I I find this to be an interesting um, intersection to hold as we had, have this conversation, right? Because even as we are expanding on our trans representation within just any type of media really we're still leaving behind a, a a large part of the gender expansive or trans community in this especially those of us who who are in this non-binary space um, are we moving in a much more progressive true genuine authentic representation space yes absolutely without a doubt without a doubt uh, but i i can't help but kind of go back to some of the things that you were. You had first stated that your wife had brought up, too, just about the three-dimensionalness of characters. And when we look at just the truths that exist within, within those spaces, yes, the, the truth is a lot of gender-expansive people, particularly trans women of color, are forced into sex work or are forced into holding these roles right and so when we see them captured in film in this kind of flippant way it can be very traumatic because that that is a lived truth for a lot of trans people especially again trans women of color But there's so much more complexity behind it so i don't necessarily think that it's it's bad to have a trans person in these roles but you have to give the full context one great way uh would be through the the storyline pose i think they've done a phenomenal job of showing how and why it leads to some of the 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 places of employment that people have to take on but when we talk about the nuance like you had said before we really existed in those roles i'm thinking of like suv or any other like special victim show where we've we are the the dead body the dead bodies in on the floor particularly trans women um because we we tricked somebody or something happened and we ended up dead uh so we've we've evolved quite a lot in in our character representation and we still have so 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 far to go when we look at um You know, just representation of anybody that holds multiple intersections of identity—somebody who's differently abled, somebody who's neurodivergent, somebody—you know—who—who's, you know, anywhere else within that—we're not seeing them show up really anywhere, anywhere. Um, And when it comes to not just what we see visually, but what we hear audibly, we we tend to find those who have more palpable. Uh, tones, tones that we that we think are fitting the social norms of what that prescribed gender should be fitting. And so we've got to expand even farther than that, right? Not every trans person is going to have an effeminate voice or a masculine voice. Like there, There's a v- variety of voices and we don't find that representation either. So even when we do pop up on film, we tend to be in a more palpable form, um, which isn't, most people don't look like Laverne Cox. Most people don't look like, you know, these other trans men um, who've got to go on because of, because of access and privilege. So we just, even as we start to become more authentic and genuine, we need to make sure we're not painting the ideal version or just one way or just one way of being trans and putting that out as the only way to exist. Because then it, it infiltrates into our civil rights and it infiltrates into a lot of other areas of us just trying to exist. Um, and I think that was the whole point of this conversation is the impact that has. But I just I guess adding my own two cents into on everything else that that Lizzie had just said there.
0: Yeah, uh, thank thank you both for for those opening remarks. I think a lot of this uh, to me, you know, is the the fear of what we don't know, right? The fear of the unknown. And when you look at the makeup of who's writing these stories, who's telling these stories who's casting these stories um you know it's it's easy uh for us to kind of other people right and <laughs> i just i looked up i don't want to get too heavy into stats but the writers guild of america um they do a screen inclusion report each year which bake you know breaks down the ethnicity of screenwriters. Um, So to me, this is kind of the heart of the issue because, you know, all of these television series and movies, where are they coming from initially? The writers, right? (laughs) They're the ones that are kind of putting down on the page the descriptions of these characters and the stories that they want to tell. Um, So looking at the most recent 2021 SGA West's screen inclusion report. Um, Basically, the overall story is that progress is being made, but it remains, you know, significantly underrepresented. You've got right now um, white screenwriters make up 77.4% of the screenwriting population. You've got white men uh representing 56% of the screenwriters and white women 21%. Um as far as the LGBTQ plus community, you've got six percent is what they estimate um is is how that breaks down. So you know if you look at um and kind of to your point, Tyler, you know, the palatability um, of these characters, does it feel like sometimes when we are representing this community, we're kind of following, falling into, you know, maybe established norms as far as representation and, and things like that. And we're kind of just telling one story or just showing one representation.
1: I absolutely would 100% agree. So often, right? We we do get nuanced into <clears throat> just social concepts of gender, and so we think we're honoring, for example, like a trans male or a trans woman by by just showing them within their masculine capacity or within their feminine capacity, right? And not showing any nuanced roles, and and don't show and honor the, the spectrum of gender, really, because it is it's and it's. It is. It's complex. It's beautiful, and it's it's fluid, and it's not just fluid for trans people, but that tends to be the only way we think of it. And so, I guess that that would right off the bat be one of my challenges that I would that I would place out there is it's okay. It's okay to not know what you don't know, and to to allow yourself to kind of fumble into the chaotic beauty of gender. And I don't know how any how, any other way to describe it, but. but Everybody has a chaotic, beautiful experience with gender, right? Everybody, cis or gender expansive. We think about puberty. We think about, am I man enough? Am I, am I, am I female enough? Like all these things. And to have that represented within the, the storylines, just our, our daily struggles of what it means to be and to live up to social norms has so much potential to not just connect with the gender expansive audience, but also would really hit home with those who are cisgender. Uh, because we all have this journey and this and this this complexity that we travel. But to go back to what you just said, and the, the simple answer was yes. So
0: <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Can can we back up really quick even more and just establish your definition of cis, cisgender?
1: Yeah, so I this is what my brain does. Uh Every time I think of the word cisgender, I, I have a flash of the Lion King when Rafiki is holding up Simba, right? And he holds it up and he's like, "See this little lion cub? This is gonna be your king." And then Simba grows up and is like, "Yeah, I am." Right? So you you are assigned a birth uh, a sex at birth, and then you grow up and your body says, "Yep, totally, that's me. I'm rocking it." And there's no there's no dissonance. There's no disconnect there. So that when I say cis, that's what I mean
0: liz did do you also think of lion king that made me chuckle that was
2: great uh i don't really have a colorful uh (laughs) portrayal of (laughs) cis people i typically uh reserve the uh the fun stuff for uh, trans
0: people but that definitely does help Liz what were, what were you going to jump in before uh, apologies I, I jumped in in front of you there as far as no, you're good. traditionally um, in contemporary media how we are seeing trans portrayed visually
2: well I was going to say that uh, while I do think there should be uh, more of us and uh, we definitely need to uh, more trans people in uh, writing and every other thing I definitely do think that it's not necessarily, like, a trans person has to write a trans character, you know. Um, anyone can do it, obviously. And uh, if you're worried about um, potentially hurting someone with your portrayal, you could definitely just go and ask a trans person. Uh, we like talking a lot of the time. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you just go ahead and ask to anyone who's trans, and they could probably give you a pretty good uh, review on uh, what it's like to be trans, and uh, if your character is uh, good or not.
1: Unless that said person is Caitlyn Jenner, then do not do not talk to her no, or ask
0: her.
2: No, for no, no,
0: no. No. <laughs> so let's talk about. Oh, you, you've kind of opened that up, Tyler. You, you, you've oh, I got got to go. <laughs> we, we don't, it doesn't have to be the focus, but um. yeah, what, I guess I, I'll just say, what, what did you mean by that? What is, um, you know, if, if someone were like, okay, I want to write a character that's like Caitlyn Jenner, what is the, what is the worry of, about that? The worry
1: is that anyone would take her serious in the way that she tries to conceptualize trans people right she has she's an anomaly of of lived experience she has been protected from so much of what the actual trans community goes through and the queer community goes through because of her elite status right she's so so economically and social status where most humans regardless if they're trans or not will never reach um again by design but I digress. She just has a very uh, privileged status and view of way of way of doing this. Most people don't have access to those resources. Most people can't just say, "I'm I'm going to transition," immediately gain access to the doctors, to the surgeons, and the best of the best, right? Not just um, you know the the ones that you have access to, uh, but she could have picked anywhere she wanted to go and had the resources to do it. And then as an athlete what she is doing to the trans community and the way she's portraying us is, 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 is incredibly harmful, incredibly harmful. And so when it comes to Caitlyn Jenner, just her, her social status and and her her level of income precludes her from,
0: from being a great normed case. Understood. Uh, Liz, to your point about, you know, if you're going, anyone can write trans characters can anyone, though, write a trans story like, um, you know, if I'm the main protagonist, if there's a main protagonist of a story that you want to build a whole experience, a whole world around, can a cisgendered person, should a cisgendered person write that story?
2: Now, that's a that's an interesting question. Um I think it's possible human beings have uh, the ability to move outside of themselves. It's one of the things that we are able to do. Um, but it's definitely something that has to be done with a lot of research and especially talking with uh, different trans people about it because you wouldn't, you as a cis person, you wouldn't necessarily have that experience. To be able to write about the experience you'll miss a lot of the nuances especially if you just go with like the what um a lot of people say in books and stuff about their trans experiences because some stuff are lost uh but you definitely need to talk with a trans person and be like okay so how was how was this for you don't just like walk up to one and be like all right um what are all the problems that you had in your childhood you have to, uh, you know, be like, uh, I'm I'm trying to write a story here. Um, I really want to write a, a story about trans people, uh, specifically a trans person. And that's the main focus of the story. Would you mind helping me with this? You know,
0: but a lot of that uh, your participation be based. Uh, w- would you ask them why? Like, why you why do you want to write this story? Would that be an important thing in your wanting to help to know what their you know what their goals are with that story and things uh
2: that's definitely probably the good question to ask Uh, i'm so desperate for representation at this point they'd be like yeah let's do this uh yeah yeah. what about you tyler i'm
1: so I'm thinking about this, and I know that humans, humans astound me all the time in their ability, especially when, when the creative mind is activated and what they're able to conceptualize and portray. However, I think that they're, we're rapidly approaching a danger zone when somebody tries to portray somebody else's lived experience. Um, and then only through one monolithic experience, right? So going to you know just one trans person's experience um, <clears throat> You you're probably not gonna get the depth and breadth. My my lived experience as a trans person is so very different than a trans person of color. It I mean, it's we are worlds apart. Have I gone through multiple layers of oppression and struggle and discrimination? Absolutely. Face it every day. Yet when I step outside of my house, my story is my story until I decide to share it. Because I am perceived and received primarily as a white male. I don't identify as a as a uh, you know, a binary person, but that's how the world sees me. And so I, I can move through this world pretty safely. I would want to bring in multiple perspectives to, to kind of add into a nuanced story to uh, making sure that, you know, that we're covering a variety of bases here. I know it can sound overwhelming, but there's so many, there's so many stories out there. And there's so many trans and gender expansive people who've come forward to share and be incredibly vulnerable. Um, I mean, uh, through, uh, Immediately, I can't help but have this conversation. Bring up disclosure and how many, you know, phenomenal people portrayed their experiences through that documentary. But being able to, to pull in multiple intersections, I guess, and just have that nuanced discussion. But I would, I would strongly, strongly cur- discourage any any cis identifying person to sit down and try to do this uh, on their own without having um, trans people on, as part of the team that, as you move forward. Um, it, it's just there's, I would never sit down to try to write an indigenous person story or, you know, a Latinx person story. I just because it's there are things that I will never know because that's not my truth. That's not my lived experience. And I can study and do the very best that I want to. But without their their own um, nuanced way of having having lived this, I, I, I will definitely miss something. And that's not a slam on me. It just is that's cultural humility being humble and knowing that you can't know all things at all times.
0: Yeah, I mean, and uh, I will uh, reference again Disclosure, which is a documentary on Netflix um, that Tyler recommended, and it was a fantastic primer or primer. <laughs> <laughs> That's our inside joke um, for, for this conversation, for sure. I mean, just look at the documentary ap- approach, right? If you're going to tell a, a story of any kind in the documentary form, um, unless it's like an autobiography or, or biography or something like that, you're not going to have just one perspective uh, you know, that you're featuring and and having that be this is, you know, this is the definitive um, explanation of of this topic, this one person, you know, for me myself. Uh, it's it's easy to understand this because it's like okay I want to tell a, a story about a white male business person, it, Donald Trump is going to be uh, you know the best representation <laughs> uh, of this or or Joe Biden or anybody right like you you can't put everyone uh, in into a box we we all are complex uh, human beings. With with different experiences, so any any other just general tips, I guess, for somebody that's that's writing, right? I think they should just ask themselves, "Why me? Why do I want to tell this story? Um, do I have any access to this world, to this experience?" I think those are really important questions to ask for for any type of story at this point, would you would you both agree? Yeah. Mm-hmm,
1: I, ab- absolutely, yeah. I think you, you captured it and there's nothing else I can add there, but yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> which is a great, which is a beautiful place to be at, right? Like, I, I feel like if we truly wanna move society forward and if we truly want to be a more inclusive, um, empathetic to one another society, we should be excited to welcome all people into media and into uh the storytelling process that's how we get you know the most rich authentic accurate you know that that's i know i'm just kind of rambling here but
1: (laughs) no but i think you're you're spot on and when when i think about what has what has moved the needle, right? We we have phenomenal advocates, we have policy, we have legislators, we have elected officials, we have all those things. But when we talk about what moves the social needle and that that ultimately will move everything else, it comes down to our depiction within in, in stories and narratives. And the possibility that, that film and all the other media has to truly change not just like social justice, but bringing it all the way down to just just our daily ability to to exist in the world is incomparable like it's it this is light years apart and when i'm when i'm trying to get somebody to understand my lived experience the the first thing i do is try to find like like a good short youtube video where somebody's captured a a, a compelling story and i know because once you humanize once you contextualize they can't unsee they can't unhear they can't unfeel so what film and media and representation can do just as far as making uh, i'm going to be a little selfish making my life better <laughs> is but at all trans people's lives better is is again i, I it's like more of this is like almost sounding like a desperate plea but it's this is this is where the movement happens is through telling our stories right and doing it in a way that is genuine and captivating and authentic because then people can can see us they can hear us and when you see us and you hear us you're connected to us and when you're connected to us you protect us and you align with us and so this is this is why I was so excited and and canceled the things that I had to do this morning so I could be part of this conversation because it is so critical that this happened it's so critical it's not just a good story it's it's our story and and we need people to hear it so that they can see us
0: Liz, you made a comment before about um, just being so desperate to see more, more stories, right in in media, um, I think that maybe is a good kind of jumping-off point to talk about some of the stories that we have seen. Um, do you do you both mind kind of jumping into a little historical jumping back some of some of the your earliest remem- memories of? Um, you know, transness, um, trans portrayal, good, good and bad, um, that, that you've I, seen. I don't think I've really seen any before. Like, uh, I was around
2: 14. Um, so 2014, I'm very, it's very easy to figure out where I was chronologically with everyone else. Uh, but, uh, I don't remember what exactly it was. It was probably a webcomic or something that I saw, or at least it definitely had something to do with social media. It definitely wasn't with like uh, traditional media uh, methods. And then a little later I found called uh, Wandering Sun, which was a story about it's uh, there's a anime of it, but, I read the uh, manga version. It's a coming of age story with two characters. One one of them first is like, I want to, you know, I want to be a girl. So she becomes a girl and the struggles within Japan to do that. And then the other one was like, I kind of want to be a boy. Later on, that character decides that wasn't really the method, that she was a lesbian instead and it moves on but it's been so long since i've read it so i can't really give you a good you know succinct summary of what
0: goes on i've been i've been searching for hard copies of it Mm -hmm. but those were kind of your your introductions your earliest yeah memories of seeing these types of stories
1: i'm clearly older um (laughs) Uh, and i
0: am much older
1: (laughs) (laughs) um and, and like, even when you asked this question, I could feel the lump in my throat. I could feel it get like really tight. And I, I just like, don't cry on a podcast, don't cry on a podcast, because like, I'm pretty infamous for doing that. Um, my first introduction to trans people was when I was younger, um, played hooky, and had to go to my great grandma's house. Uh, and she turned on daytime TV which was Maury Povich and Maury Povich had a show on guess who is the real woman. And it was trans women who had to be paraded out mixed with cis women. And you had to guess who quote unquote, the real one was right. And audience and everyone was hooting and hollering and that was it. And then flash forward the first time I remember a trans person in film, was my favorite movie, and they talk about this again in in disclosure. But it was I was obsessed with Ace Ventura: Pet Detective. Obsessed, wow. loved it, loved to quote it. I think Jim Carrey's one of the you know I just it, just his face it just captured me as a child, right? I probably shouldn't have been watching that movie as a child, but I did, and and I loved it. Uh, the whole premise, the whole plot line of that movie, is that a trans woman was deceptive. And tricked an entire police squad and all these other people. And at the very end, it's you know, you know Jim Carrey's in the shower. He's you know he's traumatized because he realized he kissed a trans woman. And then everyone's vomiting. Like it's this violent scene. And they they turn her around and they they like are shaming her body in this in this space. Um, and then they actually get pretty violent with her. If you don't remember, they like, they kick her and then they push her in the water and then they pull this. St- so that's that was my first exposure to trans people. So clearly, uh, I was like, being queer, bad. Being trans, bad. Don't tell anybody. So then you start to absorb that. But that's that's what I first remember seeing as, as a kid. We were always, again, dead, the punchline, or, you know, the shock value.
0: Yeah, the reveal as a, pl- a plot twist, right? Um, yes. You know, and being central to... Uh, I mean, the crying game, I didn't see until, uh, later the, the, my, my first, um, memory is boys don't cry. Um, which I believe was an Oscar winning film. Yes. And again, just a story from, you know, your, your commentary on Ace Ventura, uh, is, you know, Ace Ventura is the focus of the show and this is a supporting character, um, You know, the the twist and all Mm -hmm. of that. But um, Boys Don't Cry is handling, you know, your main protagonist, their experience, everything kind of through their lens instead of, like, again, othering um, a supporting character and, uh, you know, having them be the the villain or having that, that plot twist specifically, that reveal, be like the shock, you know, the shock moment. Yeah, I mean, just, just look at those those two examples, right, of how, like, you either have The Crying Game. Um, Liz, have you seen any of the, the ones we're referencing? Boys Don't Cry, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, or The Crying I Game? I probably
2: saw Ace Ventura, but um, going to be honest, asking me for, like, my past experiences is not the best thing because I do not remember much of anything before 2019. Which, that's a whole other topic.
1: It has, that's a, that's that's not atypical, um, but kind of even to, to like I guess flush out just a little bit too there. What you said, John, is is when we look at boys, boys don't cry. They did, you know, I think a, a great job of capturing like you know the terrifying element of coming out in a rural area, right? Like you you felt connected to that character. However, it was played by a, a very popular, gorgeous cis white woman, <laughs> um, right, instead of finding a a, a trans person t- to play in that role. Uh, she did a phenomenal job. And I thought that that was probably one of the best nuanced stories that we we'd seen um, come out. And it definitely captured so much of our lived experience, what we're going on and through there. Uh, and so unfort- unfortunately, the the thematic element of all of this though is that being trans means something really bad is going to happen to you right we don't start to see positive like we can not just live and and, and exist but we can thrive we can be successful until really this this past like decade uh, when we start to see trans people can like do things and not get killed like we can be trans and not die um and so even with that depiction that's much more nuanced and and gives us a more complex space uh and representation it still leaves you thinking of like oh shit like i can't come out or i can't be because i'm gonna die
0: mm-hmm.
1: so i guess plot twist sorry that that's what happens if you want to watch it but everybody oh yeah, no, yeah <laughs> like, spo- spoiler spoiler, <laughs> spoiler alert <laughs> <laughs> forgot forgot in,
0: that
2: and <laughs> boys don't cry everyone dies
1: not everybody not everybody just but
2: it's bru-
0: it is bru- it's it's brutal it's very brutal. it's brutal
2: uh sorry. I probably wasn't planning on watching it anyway. Um, yeah, a it's a very traumatic. Person. There's a book I, that you could just Google
1: it. You could get a quick snippet of what happens, uh, but it's a it's a very traumatic film, very traumatic. Um, yeah, even just thinking about it, it's it's intense.
2: I have a golden triangle of media that I uh, will uh, watch because I'm, you know, trying to graduate, and if I get sucked into like, oh, I'm gonna watch this entire, decade long series. Uh, in one uh, afternoon, and then it turns into multiple days, and then suddenly, oops, forgot my assignment, you know. Uh, but so at one point, it's, uh, there has to be a trans woman in it, or if it's a video game, I have to be able to customize like a character or whatever, right? So that's one point. Another point, specifically, there has to be a lesbian, specifically. And then another point, it has to be, um, uh, made by Studio Trigger. Uh, that's my golden triangle uh from what i'm hearing these movies do not meet my golden triangle standards <laughs> um
0: well that's t- that's gonna be tough I was like, that is- yeah i know I well, no it has to have at least one of the points that's oh the oh thing. okay because i was gonna say it the studio because if it was all <laughs> okay.
2: three that i'm never getting anything ever okay
0: all right <laughs> under understood i mean this Okay. So again, from my my perspective, which is the only one I can uh, speak on, of course, is um, a film like Boys Don't Cry had a very strong effect on me and really woke me up, I think. Um, I can completely empathize and understand how, yeah, not everyone can watch that film. That is going to, that is a, it's a brutal film for me to watch from a, from a character perspective. I can't imagine, um, you know, having any, anywhere close to, uh, over overlapping experiences that would be very difficult to watch. For me, that film was important in my understanding and kind of introducing me, you know, to a world and to, um, challenges in society that me as my identity um you know i just take for granted my my privilege right so yeah i yeah i guess i'm just saying that if boys don't cry didn't exist um we may not have moved the needle uh closer to where we need to be as a society
1: Mm mm-hmm I agree. I agree. I actually get into do uh, debates a little bit about this when it comes to just uh, song or, or you know pop artists or pop songs that are out there, right? So there was a lot of people who, for example, really love Taylor Swift's song that came out, and I can't even think of the title of it right now, um, but where she was just can't celebrating. <laughs> yeah, so she was just celebrating like queer people, right? And like the only line is "Don't get mad, get glad," and it, First, I mean, that's not—they're not talking about garbage bags. They're talking about like you know, like the pride, the pride organization. But
2: one of the one Liz, of the new ones discussion... that one. Liz <laughs> loved that one. The, I'm, that... I'm sorry, that, that is the lamest. Like that—that's definitely up there with uh, Taylor Swift's song where she goes, "Let's get down to this sick beat," and there's the most mild beat that I've ever heard yeah. my entire <laughs> life. Following it,
1: but kind of what to what you were just saying, John is we have to meet some people where they are right and so if we're ever going to move like a mass needle it not everything about queer people will be for queer people some is going to be for allies or accomplices to move it and shift it right and so i think that there's that that component of it too with, with what you just said would i would i go tell a trans person to go watch boys no cry probably not would i go tell a group of allies or accomplices to watch boys no cry yes With the preparation of like this is a very traumatic film but it's it's knowing your audience like who who are you aiming for and what are you trying to accomplish with 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 the the character or your lyrics whatever it be because it's not going to be for everyone and being aware of that so if your goal is to pull in trans people and to 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 you know help them help liberate help help move their social social justice forward then you've got to include us if your goal, I mean, you should still include us, even if you're not, that's not your goal. But if your goal is is aiming at a different audience, we're having a different set of standards and a different conversation, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, completely. Uh, not to make this about my film at all, but with Unearth, <laughs> I wanted to literally like beat some, like get people in the door of environmental issues and fracking, um, you know, entice them with the horror perspective But then like literally bash their skulls in uh, in the last half hour with like a message of, you know, like pollution and destruction and inequality and and things like that. So, yeah, I I appreciate you saying that, you know, some things are to kind of pull more people into um, the narrative and into uh, however you need to do it. Right. I mean. It is a tricky, tricky line to to walk, though, for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Here's a question uh, that you brought up with Hillary Swank. So, Hillary Swank is um, our main character in Boys Don't Cry. There's a film that I particularly love, and I know, I know, Liz, you don't have time right now, but I did find out <laughs> uh, talking to Tyler that this film's available for free on YouTube. Um, it's called Lawrence, anyways. Uh, And it's a French Canadian film by a filmmaker who I appreciate very much. His name is Xavier Dolan. And from a very young age, I believe his first film that made the Cannes Film Festival, he was either 17 or 18 years old and he was writer, director, star um, of that film. It was called I Killed My Mother. And for a while there, he was coming out with a film every year and he was making like the big film festivals. This is like a very ambitious uh, film, Lawrence Anyways, and a very ambitious filmmaker. But the interesting thing is um, this is a love story, Lawrence Anyways. And again, please, please watch it offline, both of you, and let me know what you what you think, Um, because this this is one that I kind of like I give this film like a nine out of out of 10. I think it's, it's fantastic. It's a love story. And during the, it's like takes place over the course of a decade. And during the course of that film, it's a love story told while one of the, the partners in that story, um, transitions. And it's about that relationship through that process. So from a casting perspective, um, again, and c- coming back to Hilary Swank, and I cannot remember, um, unfortunately, I can't remember the name of the actor um, who plays Lawrence in, in Lawrence anyways. Um, but this is not a trans person that is playing this role. So from a casting perspective, you know, that would be, you know to tell it the most accurately right you would have a performer that's transitioning through you know like actually in the moment of that process while you're telling that that story and that's really hard to do right unless you do a a film like um oh man what was that uh link later film where it was the boy that he filmed for like you know 10 10 or 20 years or whatever like if you don't well, ideally yeah go ahead Ideally,
2: uh, we would all have an identical twin who just happens to not be trans and just have the uh, identical twin uh, help us by uh, portraying us before we came out as trans. (laughs) But but, you know uh, what I
0: mean. Like, it's a tough tough line. (laughs) I mean, we we
2: can't all be labyrinth (laughs) cocks.
0: <laughs> right right yeah is, is it okay um in some situations uh if the performance is great if the story is in the right place if you know it has the the right message the right you know if it's if it's doing everything right is it still a tricky situation in in casting i guess i'm curious
1: i would I would always, I guess, push back that um, <clears throat> if you can find a cis person who matches that person, you can find a queer person that matches that person, right? You could find a, a non-binary, somebody who's who's different within their transitional stages um, to match that person. We, If we can do it for non-trans people, we can do it for trans people, right? And I think that there is this belief that there's just a small number of us, and it's just. We're not. There's a, there's a lot of us. We're like elusive little creatures. Like we're 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 really everywhere, and we're at all stages. We're in your of, work. We are. We're like. But but I think that there's just not great, um, not great recognition of uh, or or finding ways, right, or or resourcing to connect with those people and those individuals. And I think that's where we have to challenge. I guess just what we're doing is is how are we finding our our trans or gender expansive actors? Like how are we pulling them in? How are we uplifting or how are we empowering? So would I would I say that would I give people like uh, this is such a horrible message, uh, get out of jail free card for for not finding a gender expensive person. I'm probably still going to you on it because I know we're here. Um, I understand the plight. I understand limited resources. I understand only having so much time or budget for for a certain project. Um, But I would still push. I would still push and say, find us, find us because we're here, I promise.
2: Yeah, I'm uh, free on Saturdays, uh... <laughs> <laughs> some Sundays.
0: So try harder. The 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 takeaway is um, try harder to be authentic.
1: Yeah, because I, I just, I've, knowing what I know about my own lived experience and just with, with the queer community in general, um, I find it really hard to believe that there's not, there's not adequate representation within that population to, to play that role or to captivate that role at the same, if not better, level of, of that same actor. I'm not dispelling that actor. Not at all. I'm not critiquing his his ability to convey it, much like I'm not critiquing Hilary Swank and her ability to portray the role that she did. But what I'm saying is I think that you would get... It's it's just it's just the right thing to do. And mm-hmm. At the bottom line, it's just the right thing to do.
0: Let's talk about some of... Uh... You know your media that you've consumed that are stories that you let's look at it as kind of just like recommendations what are some fantastic media and this doesn't have to just be tv and film so liz i kn- i know you um this will expand your <laughs> your contributions for sure but let's let's think of some stuff that you would recommend um for listeners to kind of get their head around these are more authentic representations and just right off good the bat, stories I would recommend
1: the the uh show pose i think it's, it's got three years i think that that's a phenomenal one to go into it's played primarily by trans or gender expansive or queer people it's set to take place in like the 80s and so you really see um, the hiv aids pandemic and how that has impacted the queer community particularly in these like city uh, spaces um, and then you know, disclosure or just the new black. I think that there's a lot of discussion that could be around it, but they do a good job of showing Laverne Cox's character in a full capacity there. Um And I'll take a, I'll take a breather if you want to jump in this. Cause I'm like, what else?
2: Um, So this is going to be a weird thing. Uh, Cyberpunk 2077. Video game. Yeah. Video game. Um, If you have like a billion hours to play a buggy mess. And I personally love doing that. Um, I only bought it after the fact that they they were like, yeah, it's 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 a mess. I was like, oh, that's when I buy it. But anyway, so there is a character, Claire, that's her name. She's initially uh, she's just like she's on she's taking care of a bar. She's a bartender uh, at a bar that you need to go to for the uh, for the story at the beginning. And then after you're done with the initial stories in that bar, Uh, you can talk to her like obviously you talked to her before that um but you could talk to her and she's like hey you want to help me out with this street racing thing and you're like yeah sure why not like she has a very wonderful story arc where um her husband died in the street racing so like obviously we're off to a bad start with a lover dying but um over time you learn about her her being trans is not super important to it she mentions it but she's played by a trans actress. And uh, you get a, whenever you're playing that after you beat it, you get a car called The Beast. And it's this big truck and there's a trans flag on the back of it. It's great. But uh, also earlier, what I said was uh, Wandering Sun. It's very early. Um, like I think it was like either very early 2000s or late 90s when it came out. There's an anime adaptation, but it's not as. Uh, it's the same with like anytime someone turns a book into a movie, you know, with there's stuff that's missing. I don't remember what happens in it. There might be some bad things. Uh, like I said, it's been a while. There's a book series that I uh, have been waiting on a third book to come out, but it's more of a young adult novel, if anything. But I found it, I don't know, when I was like 18, called uh, The Nemesis Series. It starts with Dreadnought, then it goes into uh, Sovereign and uh the main character is a uh trans girl who gains superpowers and uh the superpowers just so happen to magically turn her into the body of her dreams and in one of the books she beats the shit out of a uh uh a it's
0: great that was called nemesis
2: nemesis the book series the first book is called dreadnought okay cool it's definitely something you can read like an afternoon if you're you know suddenly feeling like you need to read a.
0: am a very slow reader so like a week
2: john it's for 16 year olds okay
0: understood tyler do you have have some more you want to you know
1: i'm i i just can't reiterate like you know like pose like that is I can't really think past it, but just just with the the intersectionality that's captured there too, because it's it shows it so much from the trans black ex- experience, or the um, and Latinx women are, are really portrayed really well there too. But then it also gives um, highlight into like the ballroom scene and 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 how Madonna kind of appropriated and and stole this from the black queer community, especially the black trans women, um, with you know her song pose, uh, so or Vogue, sorry Vogue and. But it just shows, it just shows an evolution in the history and, and how we tried to build community together and the things we had to do to survive. And quite frankly, I would recommend that every white queer person watch it as well too, because it just shows who who we are indebted to. And, and I just think it, it is a phenomenal job. There, if books and, and comics though, and you will find such better representation and storylines and more queer characters in them always. And of course, I can't think of a single one to recommend right now. Um, that's <laughs> because that's just how my brain works. It's just like, that's the ADHD brain. Like once I'm done, I move on and I'm on to the next thing. But um, just to explore that just to explore yeah. our representation and in, in, in writing as well, too.
0: I appreciate I've that. read
2: pretty much every printed book that has a trans woman who um, is into other women. So I've read th- four books. Uh
0: huh. Um.
2: Uh, but so Nemesis, that's two of them. Uh, Nevada is, uh, Nevada by Emojin Benny. Also, Nemesis is by April Daniels. I forgot that part. But Nevada by Mojin Benny is. It's a trip. If you. You remember those books that the your uh, English teacher made you read that you're like I don't want to read this cuz I don't care about any of the characters here uh, and the teacher's like this is a wonderful story and you're like I've I've skimmed it it's written well it's just not interesting so you didn't read it and you just went on spark notes and you found the notes and understood <laughs> um, <laughs> but it it the Main character is another uh lesbian trans woman, breaks up with her longtime girlfriend and steals her car and drives across the country, finds the breaks down in a Walmart in the middle of Nevada, a conversation with uh a kid who is going through uh trying to figure out their gender. Well, not really trying to figure it out, but more so like she's just kind of like walking in the Walmart and she sees the kid and she's like, when I say Kit, Kid's like, I don't know, like 18, 20. Uh, she's like, oh, you're an egg. Let's talk about it. So they start talking about it. And then the book ends. And people want her to write another one. She's like, no, I'm not going to. That's it. That's that's all you get. But it's it's a wonderful little story. And then there's uh another series that ended, The Violet Wars. And it's great but um the publishing company stopped it after the first book so there's only one book and it ends on a cliffhanger oh, but wow. it was so good
0: okay appreciate that liz, liz i'm curious you know animation of course is a huge field different aspects do you, are there ways that you as an animator either currently or you have goals to kind of clear
2: something up first real quick john
0: yeah i'm not an animator i make 3d models okay that's all right that's what i was gonna ask all right understood so not so much character (laughs) development work because i was wondering if there's a way that you can see yourself as contributing um to these stories to this space
2: well i do plan on in the future and by in the future And like, I don't know, 20, 30 years is like the uh, earliest that'll happen. But um, starting up a small studio, people who are underrepresented in media have an opportunity for uh, to make a story featuring their identities, a piece of media that they choose, directing it, writing it, et cetera, while the rest of us work on it. And we just rotate through making them, obviously focusing trans women first, because that's what i know but like hiring people who are not really represented in media and maybe not get a fair shake in uh our industry but uh that's what i plan on doing in the future that's going to be that's going to take a while um to get there but that's the that's the goal that's wonderful please do that
0: I'm gonna need money. Gonna need- well sure. Um. Of course. But you but you have that goal and you can do it. And you can do it. I'm telling you, you can do it. Maybe it doesn't I'll even do have it. to be 20, 30 years, right, Tyler? Like Absolutely, starting a business. Right? We you got a couple people here that have started started businesses. It's it's tough for sure, but you got me excited about your business plan. I'm sure there would be some others. It would be well, others with uh, some some coin. The money is I'm always gonna, there.
1: It's I'm, just it's just finding it. and that is one thing that was drilled into my head is the money's always there.
2: There's two things. One, I need more experience. Uh as uh great as a nondescript uh university is, uh I don't know if you've said what it is. I think uh, I did. John, I
0: think I said up front. Yeah.
2: We don't really spend a whole lot of time on uh on our actual majors if you're not in like one of like the more traditional pieces of media. So I need more experience working in the field before I can even do anything. And I understood. also want to build connections and stuff like that. Another thing I don't really want to go for like a uh, normal capitalist investors. Cause I am not a capitalist.
0: <laughs> totally um, understood there as well. <laughs> so
2: like the plan is that the business will be a democratic workplace. Uh, where no one's like really like leading like we elect a leader for each project but that's really it but it'll be kind of hard to uh get money that way because i don't think a lot of people will just be like yeah here's some here's some money no strings attached
0: it's never easy but i think tyler tyler and i would both say um this is definitely worth exploring probably sooner rather than later Mm mm-hmm just saying just take it or leave it right mm-hmm. <laughs> let's um really really quickly because I know we have to wrap up pretty soon um, I think another important thing and do you both agree uh in our media is not we're not just saying stories about transness right but having trans characters and having you know storylines that aren't just focused on transness, transness right um is also very important to progress
1: absolutely right yeah you show the complexity right we're just we are so many more we we are trans and that is one phenomenal aspect of of us right and we are so many other things like we we make models we we help people we advocate we do all these other things um and so showing the complexity of of a person right We, we nobody wants to be labeled down to just one element of who they are
2: so all trans people, especially trans women, aren't like uh sparkly high schoolers uh having uh like having sex and uh doing drugs. I'm a very boring person in reality <laughs> uh I build little plastic figures, I make shapes on a computer, and I go to bed. That's what I do <laughs> you know uh so. Not every story involving us has to be like this big, like dramatic sort of thing, because obviously there are people who have had like very traumatic uh, lives, but some of us are just, it's just kind of, that's just, we're just kind of here, you know, we're very normal people.
0: Yeah. You're, you're humans, you're people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah we, <laughs> I go
2: to the store,
0: I buy my food that's it <laughs> you were uh i i think you're d- directly referencing euphoria um which is a Maybe. series that that i particularly love have uh have you both seen euphoria
2: i don't have I, hbo max and i don't particularly want
0: to watch uh
2: something that involves uh people possibly overdosing on drugs
0: Okay, well, yeah, Euphoria would be out then, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have not
2: seen
1: it. I've heard a lot of banter and chatter around it, though. Okay. Um, Maybe we'll my... have to come
0: back and talk yes. about Euphoria if if you both get a chance to see. P- particularly, you know, there's a Jules character that is not, um, you know, wasn't introduced you know, to, to what we were just saying before about not ma- you don't have to make it about transness, right? Like, it Jules is a very uh, complex character. I'll just I'll just say that. And um, I, I've, I appreciate I've absorbed that.
2: a lot about I've absorbed a lot about uh, euphoria from uh, mutuals on Twitter. Uh, I think I got enough of it. Okay. <laughs> but also I, I, I got you know, the I got the gist of it.
0: Okay. But that is also just someone else's takes, right? Like mm-hmm. somebody's hot takes. Um okay I'll will skip over but Hunter Schafer which which um they play Jules uh is also involved in the writing of that character and I just I just find Jules to be a fascinating character as I do most actually probably all of the characters on Euphoria honestly just from a complexity human being standpoint it's a very challenging show
1: that I was that's and my thirteen year old my thirteen year old's like, I want to watch this. I'm like,
0: um,
1: I don't think so. And it and it was because there is they are they're non binary and there's there's a, a you know, a, a trans person in there and so they are just looking for like, I want to see this and I'm like, let's give this just a, a little bit longer. Um,
0: very also, mature.
1: <laughs> yes. <yeah. laughs> there is also um, Let's
0: start
2: with She Shira. She Ra?
0: She Ra. Yeah, okay. She
2: Ra. <laughs> yes, yes uh, you got two trans men and a non-binary character and there's a lot less damaging stuff. <laughs> <laughs>
1: the, in the, so the other, and they're supportive roles, but kind of along that line of like, not just having it being centralized on their transness is, um, so single white, was it single drunk female or the, the new one that just dropped on out? Right? There's, there's a, there's a, there's a, a trans person who's in there, but they don't focus on the fact that she's trans. Um, and then also in Amy Schumer's new show, uh, Life and Beth, mm-hmm. there's a trans person in there. And again, they're just they're just trans. Like they're just in it. And the plot line has nothing to do with the fact that they're trans. Uh, and both of them are like bosses in the series. Like so uh, they they' have very sm- small supportive roles, but what I loved about them is they were they just existed, right? There was no discussion whatsoever about their their queerness. Uh, and they're transness, and they just were, which was wonderful.
0: We just started watching uh, Life and Beth last night, so I'm very familiar with, yes. with that reference. Appreciate that it. one
1: just people either love Amy Schumer or they can't stand her. I have, a, I, 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 love it. I love her. So
2: <laughs> I
0: don't. Yeah, a lot of people still.
2: Uh, I don't I'm, either, I'm but,
0: mad at, but I'm watching. I'm still mad
2: about the uh, Oscars when she was like. Animation is something that kids love, and adults have to adore. It's like Jesus Christ, oh, yeah. <laughs> come on. <laughs> Understood. I guess so. What do What do you want me to do? Like, you can't just directly insult me
0: and then get away with it, you know? Right. So, let, all right. Let's to wrap up. Let's let's share your parting thoughts. Let's say there is a creative person, uh, a storyteller that's listening to this. Um, what do you want them to, to think about going forward with their projects and not just trans portrayal, but all portrayals that are not their lived in experience? What advice do you have?
2: I got it. I could, I could do it very simply. And then Tyler, you could do the, you could expand upon it. (laughs) Step one, uh, research, research by, you know, looking it up, finding like books about people talking about their experiences and also talking about different people who've had those experiences and getting different, uh, uh, experiences. So you have more of a rounded thing. Step two, have fun. Step three, write it. Here you go. I kind of live by the motto of nothing
1: for us without us. And that just, is really how I do a lot of the work. So if I'm doing a project or if I'm doing something within the community, some level of activism, and it's to benefit a certain group or to portray a certain group, that group is at the forefront, right? And they're they're leading the narrative. And so, kind of going back to what Liz just said here is is really re- researching and but understanding, you know, the difference between gender identity, gender expression, and orientation, right? And how how those are not all one and the same. Um, and how they're fluid and just kind of really grappling with some of these, these terms that might seem like ever changing and, and ever evolving. And that's, uh, that's okay. Cause language evolves, right? People, people evolve. So language evolves. We're not supposed to stay stuck to the words that we have available. We create a new understanding. And so that would be my, my, my challenge or my, you know, my, my suggestion is, is step into that discomfort and then surround yourself you know, with people who get it or surround yourself with that lived experience to fully grasp it and understand it uh, to the best of your ability. But if you go by the motto, nothing for us without us, it won't it won't lead you astray.
2: Don't forget the have fun part to have fun. part, Yes. Always have fun. <laughs> I, I find it deeply important that people don't feel like these things are like chores or homework, you know, because then like, why would they do it again?
1: and embrace like you're going to screw it up like you're gonna mess it up you're gonna say the wrong word you're gonna say the wrong term that's totally okay we all do like there's nobody who gets every word right every time or the sentiment that's okay lean into it
2: lean into it have fun be respectful that's it that's all you got that's all you need to do that's the bare minimum
0: awesome well this has been so uh fantastic an experience for me and I, I thank you both for your time so much and I hope that we've inspired some people to tell more stories um, not to not be afraid right to not be afraid to tell more stories to reach out to expand your friend circle your creative circle because yeah the more stories that we're going to get uh, I, I mean, I just want to, see, we all just want to see good stories, right? And complex characters. So sky's the limit, really. Just just do a little bit of homework and um, think about the people fun that you're homework. telling stories. Do fun homework <laughs> and yeah, do fun, fun homework and always consider the audience uh, and the people that you're portraying in your work. Thank you both so much.
1: Thank you, thank you, thank you. This thank conversation you. was a great one. And I hope I hope it uh, falls on the ears of those who need to hear it and and it makes a shift because I think there's a lot of possibility. And I, I, I need, again, not to be selfish, but I need people to, to shift and I need people to hear it. And I know every generation behind me, including my own children, need it as well. So thank you.
0: Cinema Activist is produced by Lions Den Productions, hosted by John C. Lyons, music by Tony Gray. Support the efforts of Lions Den Productions by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash Productions. Thank you for listening. We'll be back soon.